Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Good evening and welcome to a Fantasy Soccer Insider. I am John Wallen, your host, the Fantasy Gaffer. With me this evening, Mr. Kevin DeVries, Kev Rob, the host of the EPL. Is it football roundtable, Mr. DeVries? Yeah, this EPL roundtable is fine, but yeah, we cover soccer and or football, whichever you'd like to call it. Well, you let me know how you feel about that. Kevin is also an FPL expert. He's one of the 12 members of the Play Taga United States 12-team draft league. He had a phenomenal draft with the rest of the league this past Monday evening. We're going to get into that. We are going to get into injuries. We are going to get into old Premier League players playing for new clubs. And we are going to get into Tottenham Hotspur. Because as you may have guessed from Kevin's team name, Podspur, the man is an unabashed fan of the boys from White Hart Lane. Kev, thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, absolute pleasure. Before we get into too much else, I know there's been some concern about the fact that Tottenham Hotspur have been playing a little bit later into the summer than some of the other clubs. They're going to have a very difficult match with Manchester United coming up uh, for their curtain raiser. It's the 7.45 a.m. game in the United States. What are your thoughts on the Spurs' chances against Manchester United this weekend? Not super excited about it. Um, as you said, played Real Madrid on Tuesday, played AC Milan on Wednesday. I uh, did play a bit more of a developmental squad on Wednesday with Chadley up top, but we need him to play on the wing. It really kind of emphasized that need for a second striker at the club. Rumors kind of gathering pace on Berahino, but you know we'd actually have to chunk up a, a pretty decent fee, and Daniel Levy is known to not be a fan of that. But getting back to the actual match at hand, I think we're in trouble. I really do. We, we didn't look great against uh, the MLS All-Star team, which I, I was fortunate enough to be out in Colorado to catch. Uh, looked decent against Real Madrid, but they were honestly walking through that match, save for Sergio Ramos, who lost his mind and just started kind of crazily tackling everyone in sight. The AC Milan match looked good, but like I said, wasn't really our starting 11. It'll be interesting to see who we play. Uh, you know, I honestly couldn't tell you right now whether we're going to see Della Ali or Moussa Dembele or maybe even Eric Dyer in that central midfield role next in the Bill Bentelev. Uh But if you're looking for a prediction, I think it's going to be Manchester United 3, Tottenham 1. 
Oh, that is a tough scoreline. I know for you to have to say that. I was fortunate enough to be in studio with Mr. Roger Bennett earlier today. We were actually having a conversation about the man that they call the Dire Wolf. What are your thoughts on Eric Dyer's <laughs> fantasy value this season in uh, in Taga Premier League draft? Unfortunately, I don't think it's great. You know, if he was starting every week, then I would have a lot more confidence. He loves bombing forward. He has a very good cross on him. You know, ground pass is not as much as leisure to me. But um, unfortunately, we brought in Toby Alderweireld. And I say unfortunately for Eric Dyer, I think he would have been a perfectly serviceable center back. But if you have an option to bring in Toby Alderweireld and a player that knows many of our players so well, you have to do it. And I think Pochettino's love for Dyer is why he's even willing to kind of try him in the midfield. Um, I'm not really sure where his, his long-term role is for us. He is an excellent young um, center back. He's a perfectly serviceable right back. But unfortunately, in the midfield, it seems like maybe his thought process is a little too slow. Whether or not he can kind of build on that as we, we move forward, only time will tell. But from a fantasy aspect, uh, I'm, I'm much more looking towards Alderweireld or Trippier or Rose than I'm looking at Dyer. Now, you mentioned Kieran Trippier. Kieran Trippier is going to take us very nicely into the next subject that we're going to talk about. Players who have transferred within English divisions. Kieran Trippier, Danny Ings, obviously moving to Liverpool from the recently demoted Burnley FC. There are some other high-profile moves. Raheem Sterling, notably moving from Anfield over to the Etihad. And, as well, Christian Benteke coming in at Liverpool from Aston Villa. Do you rate Kieran Trippier as highly as fellow defensive transfer from the summer, Liverpool's new boy, Nathaniel Klein? Uh, statistically, he's much better. Uh, obviously, Klein is kind of walking into the job. Trippier still has to dig out Kyle Walker. I don't think it's that close of a competition, but you never know. Uh, thoughts within the club is that we were ready to move on from Kyle Walker, but he has had an excellent preseason. Um, and, you know, he was a young player of the year not too long ago. Uh, so the, the potential is still there, but he never really developed kind of the defensive acumen, uh, but was always kind of able to make up for his mistakes with his just blistering pace. If Trippier starts 38 matches, he's the second or third best fantasy defender, just point blank. But how many crosses he sends in, because remember, you don't get points taken away for inaccurate crosses. You're only notching up the ones that do count. And if you're talking about crosses, he had, uh, I forget what the number is, I think it was 20 more than the next person, which was actually Nathaniel Fine. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he's a huge value. I really do. Uh, I'm assuming that we'll figure it out at some point. But unfortunately, I think the one thing that hampers him is I think he's probably closer to 25 starts than 35. So it is successful crosses that Kieran Trippier led all of the Premier League in last season with 69. The next best behind him, actually, midfielder Dusan Tadic from Ronald Koeman, Southampton. And right behind that, another one of the Saints, defender, former Chelsea lad, Ryan Bertrand, had come in with 31. Now, when we look at attributes like uh, key passes and assists, which obviously taken together, I know you know Kev being an opta junkie, equal chances created. <laughs> when you look at successful take-ons, which are what you need to do when you beat a man with the ball, you retain possession on the other side. Those statistics may not help people in every league. They do help in Taga leagues. They help in other draft formats. But if you're playing daily fantasy soccer, if you're playing in the EPL's official game at fantasy.premierleague.com, those stats are more of an indicator really than they are able to help you 
on a week-to-week basis. Is there one particular stat that you, as the mouthpiece for EPL Index, the home of statistics on the internet for the English Premier League, is there one underlying stat you particularly look at when you're trying to find a good salary cap fantasy player? For the most part, it's minutes played, and I know it's not a very glamorous answer, but it's the reason why I think Nabil Benchelet is pretty much the most owned in any format. If you're looking for a 4.5 defender to plug in in the official fantasy Premier League, you're going to get 30-plus starts out of a player that's developing very quickly and is going to move forward with with great uh, gusto. Uh, this year. Hopefully he'll be paired with a better central midfielder than what we have at present. Um, but I think Del Ali and him would make a pretty lethal partnership. And, you know, if you're looking at those 4.5 guys, you're looking at a lot of bench guys and a lot of unproven guys that are coming up from some of the recently promoted sides. And so for me, I think the Bill Benzeleb is a huge one. So minutes to play, especially when you're looking at kind of players at those cheaper price ranges is the most important. I think it's one of the more disappointing things in, in FPL this year is that there's not one of those really good 4.0 defenders. Um, targets a decent chance, uh, especially while Bertrand's out, but not very much a long-term option. Um, but yeah, it's not glamorous. It's not very stat nerdy, but minutes played is, is the most important thing. You don't get minutes, you, you don't get points if you're not on the pitch. And, and so I think really... Uh, when it comes down to deciding between two players, I think that's really the, the tiebreaker. That's a very good point, Kevin. One that I think that a lot of fantasy players do overlook. You would like to look, obviously, for the name. You'd like to look for a player that you think has class. I know that uh, our good friend, the FPL chief, likes to look for a player who's in form and, and famously says uh, form over class. But at the end of the day, is it actually playing minutes that is the most important thing in a fantasy Premier League player? Like I said, for, for me, I, I think, I mean, is it the most important? No, but you have to think there was an underlying stat. And, and for me, like I said, that, that really sways things. I mean, chances created is a great one for any of your attacking players because it kind of indicates the truth behind the goals and assists stat, whether or not they're really putting in the, the chances that you'd expect from them. Um, for, for strikers, I really like strike percentage or how many of their shots are on target uh, because a lot of strikers shoot, shoot the ball a whole lot of times. Um, but kind of like the crosses thing, you aren't really penalized for missed shots, uh, at least not nearly as much as you're rewarded for goals. So while I like to know that just so I kind of know what kind of return rate I can expect from my strikers, um, like if Jermaine Defoe is going to take buckets of shots and only one in every ten is going to go in, but he's still probably going to score one in every two or three matches. So uh, it's another thing I like to look at just to kind of know the value of my players. Um, but along with minutes played, you know, those are things you really want to look at for me when you're deciding between different players. I do appreciate your optimism in thinking that Jermaine Defoe can possibly get 10% of his shots on frame. I am sure that <laughs> his current manager would be very happy with a 1 in 10 return rate from the former Toronto FC forward. You know, you mentioned there, Kevin, chances created. Obviously, chances created are key passes, which are just assists that the player misses, and assists, which are, of course, goals that the player scores. Eden Hazard led the Premier League last season per Opta stats with 101 chances created. His teammate, Sek Fabregas, second in the Premier League with 94 chances created. Mr. David Silva, the diminutive Spaniard from the blue half of Manchester, 92 chances created. And you know, Kev, you know who was fourth there? We have Mr. Christian Eriksen of your Spurs coming in at fourth ahead of such luminaries as Alex, Alexis Sanchez, Jesus Navas, Santiago Cazorla, Raheem Sterling, and even 25-year-old Swansea maestro Gilfie Sigurdsson. 
taking two stats in tandem here, minutes played and chances created. Last season, Jose Mourinho was famous for not rotating his players. And of all Premier League midfielders currently available in the fantasy game for the official league, Eden Hazard had the most minutes played at 3,373. Alexis Sanchez was 400 minutes behind at 2,944. As I just said, Alexis Sanchez created 81 chances in his moment, in his minutes. Eden Hazard, 101 in his. If you were to take one of those players to get more minutes and create more chances this season, your money on the line, are you taking Alexis Sanchez or a repeat from the Belgian maestro Eden Hazard? Um, I know when you, you talk about my previews and stuff, you always point out that I'm a Spurs fan and I'm negative towards Arsenal fans. But for me, or Arsenal players rather, for me it's Eden Hazard. He's just in a better team. Um, I trust Diego Costa to finish chances much more than I trust Olivier Giroud. Uh, I think Willian is going to have a really big year as well. Um, and, you know, you have Fabregas and, and Matic sitting back there that's allowing Hazard to pretty much just stay forward. Um, for me, it's Hazard. I think there's less risk there. There are a lot of players at Arsenal. I'm not saying Alexis Sanchez could lose his place, but it's less crucial that he start every single match. And he very well, he very well may do, but I, I'm, I'm putting my trust in Eden Hazard just because I think, honestly, uh, Chelsea are the better team. That's a fair point. Uh, Chelsea, obviously, reigning title holders, ran away with it down the stretch. They were famously eight points clear of Arsenal early in the season. Looking at the start to this season's Premier League campaign, is there one team, and I apologize if you don't have you know, a comprehensive working knowledge of the first five-week scheduling, Kevin. I know that you're very good at statistics. You may not have that one memorized yet. But is there one team that really stands out to you when you're looking maybe at the first game week, if you're playing in Targa's perfect 11, where you say the opposition here, it's too hard, there's too much travel, they haven't looked sharp during the summer, I'm not sure how their players coming in are going to gel or maybe there's a new manager is there one team that you're actively looking to avoid until maybe september 1st uh so september 1st no if we're talking week one if, if we're talking the quote-unquote anti-stack i think it's actually tottenham i think harry kane might be able to do something about against manchester united just because there's some stuff unsorted in that back line but i think it'll be very hard for tottenham to push up through the middle and if we see kyle walker instead of kieran trippier i think that really decreases the ability for them to score goals um if you're looking towards september 1st then all of a sudden Tottenham look like a much better preposition uh, as they will follow up with Stoke and Leicester City. I'm and then a trip. Did you just say they look like a much better preposition? Are they upon the pitch at White Hart Lane? Is that <laughs> what we're talking about? But this gives me an excellent time to thank Rabble TV. If you're enjoying this episode of Fantasy Soccer Insider, despite the fact that I have a very obvious region-free American accent and not your typical English accent that we've come to expect from our football coverage. It is time to give a shout-out to the sponsor who made this entirely possible, Rabble.tv. Now, if you're not familiar with Rabble, it's a completely new way of experiencing sports on television, and the concept is a simple one. The next time you want to watch your favorite soccer team on TV but you're tired of the announcers because they're biased against your team or simply aren't that good, you press the mute button and then head on over to Rabble.tv to listen to a real fan's audio broadcast of the game. And if there isn't one available, that's the best part. 
You can create your own broadcast by switching on your mic and calling the match. It's easy. Sign up for free today to try it out. With Rabble, you can listen to broadcasts on your desktop, through your iOS app, and now through your mobile browser. Plus, you can join in the conversation by posting your questions or observations in the comments section, as people have already done for this show, and we'll be getting to those comments a little bit later on. So I'd like to take a moment now to thank our sponsor, Rabble.TV, for making this episode possible, and I'd like you to thank them by heading over to Rabble.TV today, where it's your team and your call. Kev, are you back, sir? I believe I am, yeah. There he is, the man, (laughs) Kevin DeVries. Now, Kevin... As I've just mentioned to all of our fine listeners, Rabble.TV does allow for people who are listening to this currently live to weigh in, get our take. And we have comments coming in both over Twitter and on Rabble.TV's very nice chat board. Question that we had posed to us, sir, is Mm -hmm. when all is said and done, from the conclusion of last season's 2014-2015 EPL season... To the close of the summer transfer window, summer 2015, which player, when all is said and done, will be the most valuable FPL asset for this term? Um, I think one of the names that needs to be up there, and his name isn't being counted as much because it was done very early in June, is Andre Ayew. He's going to a Swansea team with a lot of talent around him, sitting next to Gilpie Sigurdsson. You know, I'm a Boston Bigo Mies homer. Um, and we really started to see some things from some of their other wingers uh, last season, like Jefferson Montero and Wayne Routledge. I think that's a very potent attack, and at 7.0, I think you know that could be an excellent value. There's, there's a chance he could kind of be in that, that kind of 10 and 10 category that's so uh, valued in fantasy soccer, kind of along the lines of a 30-30 guy in the outfielders, if, if you're talking fantasy baseball. I think Andre Ayew is, is a tremendous signing. Um, Memphis Supply, another one that's up there, a little nervous about playing time just because of how many midfielders uh, Manchester United have, but I believe in the Taga format, uh, Depay counts as a forward, so that's, that's, that might change that a little bit for me. Um, but yeah, all in all, I think there have been some very interesting signings. I think Jordan Au at Aston Villa is very intriguing. I'm not sure I'm ready to put the money down on that yet. I think Georgino Wijnaldum at Newcastle is a very good player. I don't know if 7.0 is really the price you want to be paying for that. I think Jermaine Lenz is a very good option over at Sunderland. Um, but yeah, that's just kind of my, my quick take on, on the incoming this summer. Jorginho Wijnaldum, you are speaking my language. That is a fantasy, uh, excuse me, a football manager, uh, championship manager name from the past. Used to be able to purchase Mr. Wijnaldum back when he was 15 years old, coming up through the Dutch system. Now still just 24 years of age. Led PSV to the Aaron DeVC title last season. The first time that that club had clinched the title since 2008. Secures a move to Newcastle United where he's going to be playing alongside a new striker as well. And let's see if that particular man is available for us before we even go and mention. And he is at 6.5 million. Alexander Mitrovic is available, 3.7% owned in the. FPL salary cap game certainly going to be available if you're looking to stack Newcastle. Kev, you mentioned stack. We'll get into daily fantasy soccer in just a minute. But if you're looking to run a stack, perhaps of I don't know why you would, but Gabriel Oberton, who I mentioned only to poke a little bit at Mr. John Hudson from Kick TV, one of the gentlemen who joined us for our 12-team experts draft. 
does not care for Mr. Oberton at all. But if you're looking at, and again, Jorginho Wijaldum, 7.0, I can understand your hesitation. Lots, lots of injury history with him in the last two or three seasons. But Newcastle start with Southampton visiting. Well, excuse me, Southampton are visiting Newcastle. And then Newcastle travel to Swansea. Mitrovic is in. Most of that club looks relatively healthy. I have to say, I like him at that 7.0 price point. And I'm just going to Kev, really quickly list off for you some of the other midfielders that are valued at the exact same price. And I'd like you to tell me if you'd like Wijnaldum over them or if you prefer that midfielder. So uh, we do have the gentleman that you just mentioned, former Marseille, 25-year-old Ghanaian, Andre Ayew, is at £7 million in the salary cap game. Would you take Mr. Ayew or would you take Mr. Wijaldum? I would take Ayew week one. Okay. And Mr. Schweinsteiger at Manchester United, would you take Schweinsteiger or would you take Wijaldum? Don't trust the playing time, Wijaldum. Okay. Jordan Henderson, the new captain for Brendan Rodgers Liverpool. Which player are you taking, Henderson or Wijnaldum, for $7 million? That's a tough one. Wijnaldum definitely has the upside. Henderson kind of has that consistency. If you're talking FPL, I'm definitely taking Wijnaldum. If you're talking kind of the ancillary stat-based ones that you see in most of the draft games, like Playtaga, I'm probably going to go Hendo. Fair point. Now, there's one player that I have particular designs on who's new to the Premier League this season. That is West Ham's midfielder, Demetri Payet. He is at $7.5 million. Would you rather pay the extra half million pounds to secure the services of the Hammers Payet, or would you rather save the half million and have Wijnaldum in your starting 11? Honestly, I'm really concerned where West Ham is going in. After their Europa League loss today, that hasn't really been allayed at all. Enter Valencia out for a long time with injury, and Andy Carroll has a lot of injury history in the past. You know, last year we were very surprised to see uh, how relevant most of the West Ham players were. Now, some of them aren't at the club, some of them aren't healthy. Um, I, I like Newcastle's chances better. I think Wijnaldum will be able to provide more chances and four better players, at least from the, the start of the season. So for me, I'm taking Wijnaldum, and I take Wijnaldum over him if they were both seven five. That that no, and that is not to be taken lightly. That extra half million pounds can certainly be the difference between a uh, hundred point weekend and a 75 point weekend if you're using that money right one more player kev i want to get your take on right here before we move on to a different position but chelsea's willian is also seven million there's been some concern about how jose Mourinho is going to deploy his midfield this year a lot of people particularly in our expert drafts the mock drafts and and the live drafts that we've seen happening juan cuadrado is getting an undue amount of love in my uh, estimation but with willian with Oscar, with Sec Fabregas, as you mentioned earlier, Manja Matic, obviously Eden Hazard is not going anywhere. Where do you see Williams slotting in, and how much playing time do you think he can get you for that £7 million? Well, as, as, as you've seen in both mock drafts and the live draft, I've gotten William in all of them. Uh, I think he's being heinously undervalued. From what I'm hearing from Chelsea fans, uh, it seems like the first person to drop out is probably Oscar. Uh, William, yes, there are some questions about where he's going to play, but it's in a positive way. Is he good enough centrally that they might move him in there and deploy someone else out on the wing? Even heard some rumblings that maybe Victor Moses would actually get some looks uh, as his pace might be valued there as well. Uh, I'm very confident in William. Uh, good friend Rasmus over at Chelsea Rumors uh, asked him this question and asked who will get the more playing time. And he said he thinks William will get 30-plus starts, Oscar will get 25-plus. 
and for 30-plus games of Willian in that potent Chelsea attack that I mentioned before. Yes, they played more defensively the second half of the season, but even in their defensive playing, they were still playing on the counter, and Willian is really the fulcrum of that. So for me, I think Willian is a great value, and you know, putting my money where my mouth is, picking him in every league. That's a very interesting point you just made with respect to the the relative playing time between William and Oscar, because the uh, Oscar is actually a full million pounds more expensive, and he has been going by average draft position, or as we call it, ADP. He's been going slightly ahead of William in target drafts as well. So he can be had, when I say he, I mean William, he can also be had at a discount against Oscar, and we're thinking that his playing time will be greater. Is that basically where we're standing right now? It is indeed. That is remarkable. Everybody out there, pencil in William. Try and land him if you're possibly able. Certainly, 3.1% selected. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it's a great – and, you know, in the FPL game, it's all about making up that space between you and everyone else. And, I, yeah, I, I, I love him. This is a player who's going to get to play Swans at home in the game week one. They do travel to the Itahad to play Manchester City in week two, but then it's West Brom, it's Crystal Palace, it's Everton, who all do respect to Roberto Martinez and how well the Toffees have historically defended were a sieve last season. Opening five weeks, that looks very good for Chelsea's midfield. Turning our attention to some of the injured players, Kevin, the gentleman, Mr. Ben Dinnery, is playing in the Taga 10-team Euro Expert League. You can find Mr. Dinnery at Ben Dinnery. You can find him at Premier Injuries. You can find all of his information live on www.playtaga.com. Anywhere else on the web where they care about the credibility of the information that they're getting, they are using Mr. Ben Dinnery. And he's a very nice bloke as well. That being said, I would like to turn your attention to two particular players and see what your take is. Mr. Daniel Sturridge, without looking at when Ben is saying Mr. Sturridge will return, if you're in a Taga 12-team league and understanding, everyone understands. If you're playing salary cap, Daniel Sturridge is not on your radar. There is no reason to invest even one pound in him, let alone the 11 million pounds that it's going to take to acquire him. But if you are in a 10-team or 12-team draft league on any of the sites or upon his return, are you willing to invest in Daniel Sturridge given his injury history and the amount of investment that Brendan Rodgers and the Liverpool board have done in bringing in other forwards, including Roberto Firmino, Danny Ings, and Christian Benteke? I'm loving all these names just going out because I own basically all of them. Um, picked up Daniel Sturridge in our draft, which was met with much frustration from some of the Liverpool faithful in that league. Um, I'm honestly going on blind faith here. I'm going on Sturridge winning that job back once he's fit, or at least playing next to Ben Teke, if not fully replacing him. Um, I did get two safe options for me in Mama Bureau and Duke, and I've already mentioned about Fatimbe Gomis, who I'm just, um, that's, that's my hat on the door that I'm just nailing in. I, I think Gomis, honestly, is going to be in that 12 to 15 goal region and probably be a top 10 striker. And everybody thinks I'm crazy, so feel free to rewind this back at the end of the year and either point and laugh or praise my genius. But I love Fatimbe Gomis, and I'm comfortable with those two knowing that Sturge is coming back. To answer your question about Liverpool on the whole, I, I do think when he comes back, he gets a chance. I, I don't remember the exact that. I want to say it was 5-7 and seven when he came back around January. 
Uh, if he score, if he if he plays, he's scoring goals for you, uh, and, and that's the gamble. Is he going to play enough to to really make it worthwhile in a draft league with other options at striker? I was certainly able to take him in our expert draft. So yeah, I, I definitely say he's worth a, a speculative own in most draft formats. And Mr. Bafatimbi Gomish, no one is on the same page as you, Kev. He is nope, literally no one. <laughs> he is yes, you are right. He is dramatically under under underdrafted in all of the draft leagues that I've seen, regardless of what site that you play on. And he is one point one percent owned currently as of recording, despite the fact that he scored seven goals with one assist in just. 1,650 minutes. And for anybody that needs to be told, there are 3,420 minutes in a full season. So that is less than a half season that he scored his seven goals. And he was on pace for a 15-goal season had he been getting regular playing time. Certainly not a bad pick on your behalf. For me, the player that I am, the player I am targeting, who's a bit... uh, a bit injured, a bit under the weather, is still, and again, not a great uh, player to target necessarily uh, in, a, in, a, in a draft format is Alexis Sanchez. And, and what I mean by that is you still have to pay full asking value for Alexis Sanchez, despite the fact that the rumors have Arshon Wenger sitting him for at least a match, possibly two matches. But I have to be honest, a, a first-round pick, I had the fourth pick in a 10-team uh, in a ten-team draft this past Sunday. And when Alexis Sanchez was sitting there for me, uh, after uh, both uh, after Raheem Sterling had been taken in the, in the three spot, wow! I did not I did not hesitate even a moment. I took Alexis Sanchez uh, within two seconds, and I will be perfectly happy not having him in my roster, even if it's not until September first. Last season, and I know that we both espoused the value of playing time when you're looking at players a little bit further down the food chain. But when you have a player like Alexis Sanchez, when you have a player like Sergio Aguero, you don't care if they're only playing 2,800 minutes. Because last season in 29-44, Alexis Sanchez scored 16 goals and had eight assists, which is two more goals and just one assist fewer than Eden Hazard, despite the fact that Alexis Sanchez played 400 minutes fewer than the Belgian playmaker. Now, We've both talked about the fact that Arsenal's midfield is a a bit of a mess right now. You have Jack Wilshire. Is he injured? Is he not? We know the answer he is. We have Aaron (laughs) Ramsey, completely unwilling to play a defensive role, despite the fact that the Welshman is a very good defensive midfielder, has a keen eye for distribution. You have Mesut Ozil. You have Theo Walcott come back. You have the resurgent Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain scoring the only goal in a... I would not say hotly contested, but certainly enjoyable watching the community shield. There is no shortage once more of talented midfielders on Arsene Wenger's side. That said, in two weeks, are you willing to spend 11 million pounds, Kevin, to bring Alexis Sanchez in to your fantasy side? Now, that's assuming that he misses the first two matches, which are cherry matchups against West Ham and Crystal Palace. Would you bring him in on 24 August to face a run of Liverpool, Newcastle, Stoke and Chelsea if the cost is still 11 million pounds? I honestly don't. Uh, You mentioned him earlier in that list of chances created and I'll take that extra 1 million and just put it into David Silva. Now, I know he he just came down with a sickness and might be questionable week one and the De Bruyne thing is still looming heavy over his head. 
But I love Dalvin Silva. I, I always have him in, in any league I'm in just because those chances created rack up so fast for him in that potent Manchester City attack. Um, I think Alexis Sanchez is definitely worth owning. Maybe the best option is picking up Silva and leaving a million in your bank. It's a risky play for the first couple of weeks, but if it means you don't have to take a point deduction to bring him into your team, I think that's definitely a viable option if you're that insistent on adding him. No, that makes a lot of sense. Kev, we're getting down to the end of it, and we've been talking quite a bit about the fantasy.premierleague.com game, which is the official game, the salary cap game for the Premier League itself. And you and I both play this format. We both enjoy this format. Historically, perhaps for me, a bit more nostalgia uh, than for the gameplay itself. But you have to give Fantasy Premier League a little bit of credit this season. They have made some exceptional changes. They have added <laughs> what they call what they call are they calling them chips? So now instead of just being able and for new listeners, uh, for new players to the Premier League game, it used to be that you had two transfer, uh, two excuse me, wild card transfers where you could change out your entire. 15-team squad, not just the 11 players in your starting 11, not just one player or two players without taking a penalty, but you could transfer out, excuse me, as many players as you liked and not pay a penalty. You could do that twice. This year, they have not only allowed you to move those wild cards to any point during the season that you like. It could be game week one. For me, it will be. It could be game week 38. I will not have any of these ships left come game week 38, but they have added three. One called all-out attack, one called triple captain, which one, excuse me, called bench boost. Which of those three, Kev, is your favorite of the chips? Um, my favorite is what triple captain should have been, which is you get to name three captains. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in all seriousness, I, I think if, if you do it right, you can do all-out attack. If, if you pair that with your wild card, which as far as I'm aware, you can still do because it, it takes uh, effect the week following, um, I think you could really benefit your team. I think you could get in a whole bunch of kind of 4, 4.0 or 4.5 defenders that aren't going to hurt you mm-hmm. and then just put in a whole lot of attackers that will really benefit you. I think bench boost really only helps players that are confident having a 15-player deep squad instead of just an 11 um, because if you're boosting kind of you know, price dump players that are on your bench. That's not going to really benefit you much. Um, but yeah, I like the idea of all out attack, but only if you compare it with a week where you're fine, kind of changing your squad, bringing in a whole lot of attacking players and then fixing it the following week with your wild card. You know, you mentioned that triple captain should have been you're allowed to captain three players. And for people who don't know, when you captain a player, you get double their points for that individual game week. Obviously, players like Sergio Aguero, Eden Hazard, those are very popular captains. They end up scoring a goal. They get an assist. They get some bonus points. And you end up with 14, 16, you know, 20 points instead of, you know, there's seven, seven, eight or nine. The all-out attack is very interesting as it allows you to play a 2-5-3. So you're only responsible for playing two defenders. And you mentioned something very interesting there, Kev, that I want to touch back on, which is that many players invest heavily in their starting 11, and then they use the minimum 4 million pound allocation per slot for those four bench spots. So that's 16 million pounds gone to the bench, then they use 84 million on their starting lineup. It doesn't seem like bench boost would be a very beneficial play for those players. So is there a situation in which you think bench boost should be used? 
like I said, I, if you're not a person that's, that's kind of set on having it, at least your best players start. You know what I mean? Like there's some price dumps where they're not even going to get minutes. Um, if you're set on just having a, a solid 11, which is fine, you know, you're, if you're capitalizing on points most of the week, I'm just not sure bench boost is for you on the whole. I mean, you could do what I was mentioning with kind of the all-out attack and maybe pair it with your uh, wild card to kind of change up your team to maybe bolster kind of your bench, but then you're taking away points from your 11, which is the strategy you've established all year. I just think that kind of boils down to what kind of player you are. I like having a full solid team where I know I have rotation options every week, including a keeper. Um, but if, if you're more of the, I have 11 good players and that's it, straight Harry Redknapp style, good for you, but I don't think bench boost is really going to help you much this year. All right, so here's, here's what I want to end on, because I think it may become a running theme where we just end on the patently absurd. But I believe that my thought on this is that I want to use one of my wild cards, my all-out attack, and my bench boost all in the same week. Because I want to be able... Are you allowed to stack them? Excuse me. Uh, pardon me? We are, are you allowed to, you're allowed to stack, stack them? But I, I, I did not mean to say my all-out attack. I meant to say my triple captain in my bench boost. My all-out attack mm-hmm. I would be saving. But I would like to use a wild card so that I can shore up that those four players that I have on my bench bring in players, particularly during a double game week, where maybe you wouldn't normally be playing a lot of Leicester defenders, for example, or maybe you don't like uh, you know, Manchester United's midfield now, but an injury or two down the road, you've decided that it's going to be uh, you know, a Memphis Depay, certainly, and Juan Mata uh, by default because of injury to other players. And there's a double game week opportunity there. I think the move, and I think what's going to end up happening is you're going to end up seeing 90% of active managers in the salary cap league use that bench boost and triple captain in conjunction. And you're going to see it during what's perceived to be a strong double game week. And I'm thinking Dimitar Berbatov uh, two, three seasons ago now when he scored five goals over two games and netted players 45 points, he was captained in more than 30% of premier league sides. It was a massive week for anybody that had done it. You leapt up, you leapt up the table in your mini league. You jumped 10,000, 20,000 places in the global league. If you had a triple captain, Dimitar Berbatov certainly would have been the player that you used. And to back that up, you would have also played United midfielder, a United goalie. You would have bought their opposition. You would have had three of their opponents sitting on your bench for not very much money. You would have gotten all the points from the bench boost on the double game week. You would have gotten triple captain points from Dimitar Berbatov. You would have used two of your five chips. But honestly, I have to say, I think it's worth it. If you can string all that together into one coherent plan, that's great for you. I'm, I'm probably going to do them all separately. I can barely string it together into one coherent it. sentence, Kevin. Come on now. Barely one coherent <laughs> sentence. Kevin DeVries, thank you very much for joining us. Please let people know where they can find you, how they can listen to your excellent EPL roundtable podcast starring some wonderful people that I've had a great pleasure in being able to appear with. Where can people find you, Kev? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Kevroth. You can find the EPL Roundtable, which is the EPL Index podcast. You can find us on Twitter at EPL Roundtable or email us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. You can find my writings all about uh, both on TheEaglesBeak.com and recently blog.playtalga.com. I think some of my previews are going to be going up there soon as well. Uh, so, yeah, I'm around if you, if you want to drop me a shout and tell me how wrong I was. 
uh, feel free. But uh, for those who like Kev to tell Kevin how wrong he is, Kev Rob is spelled K E V R O V at the Twitter. By all it means, is. hop right on there, Kevin. Thank you very much for joining us. I greatly appreciate you coming on on short notice. Good luck to you this season in the 12-team United States-based fantasy experts draft on Play Taga. Good luck to you in your mini league. Um, good luck to you should you play any of the daily sports. And we look forward to having you back on real soon. Thanks so much. It was a pleasure. Now, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for dealing with us during technical difficulties today. This is Fantasy Soccer Insider. It will, in the future, be coming to you at 7 p.m. live every Thursday night, courtesy of Rabble.tv. Wherever you're listening to us, whether it's live or in podcast form after, we greatly appreciate it. You can find me, John Wallen, at Fantasy Gaffer on Twitter. You can find my writing at PlayTaga.com. You can find my team, Spider-Man McManaman, playing in fantasy.premierleague.com. And you can find me playing draft live on www.playtaga.com all the time. My thanks to Rabble TV. My thanks to the EPL Roundtable host, Kevin DeVries at KevRob. And my thanks to you very much for listening, wherever you may be. We will see you back here next Thursday at 7 p.m. Enjoy the opening week of the English Premier League.